on episode 307 of Nintendo Switchcraft. Happy birthday, Nintendo Switch. Uh, first impressions for a whole bunch of games. Hi-Rez has some pretty good news. Nintendo does not have any crunch. Resident Evil has a little bit of a money problem. Atlas has a survey for us. And Nintendo brings us a very cool new Zelda ad. Switchcraft is brought to you live three times a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 3 p.m. U.S. Eastern and on Saturday at whatever time I can get to it. Tune in live over at twitch.tv slash runjumpstomp. This episode of Switchcraft is brought to you by Nintendork. Get Switchcraft and my other content ad-free for as little as a dollar over at patreon.com slash run jump stomp i have coleco vision and a coleco game cartridge by november 15th we'll send you a free cabbage patch kid by christmas tomorrow is a pretty big day for nintendo it is the two-year anniversary of the nintendo switch the nintendo switch launched on march 3rd 2017 and man nintendo came out of the gate swinging like they they had like probably in my opinion their greatest game of all time with breath of the wild and then that first year 2017 was just massive game after massive game after massive game and they just they just nailed it that first year and the second year uh, of 2018 was a lot more subdued from nintendo and a lot more third-party stuff and i guess my question to everybody out there who's listening um, and you're probably going to listen to this tomorrow or the next day. It'll already be after Nintendo's or the Switch's third birth or second birthday. Is what are your favorite games from the system? And I know that a lot of people are going to say Zelda, Mario, Splatoon. Those are probably the big ones. Oh, and Smash. So outside of those four games, Zelda, Mario, Spl- Splatoon, and Smash, because those are those are the juggernauts, I'm curious as to what your favorite games are for the system. And uh, there, there's a whole bunch of ways that you can get a hold of me and let me know. You can, um, you can email me, uh, runjumpstomp at gmail.com. Uh, if you didn't know, you can also call and leave a voicemail using our Anchor app. Anchor is this podcasting app, uh, which I don't actually use it to listen to podcasts, but it's my podcasting platform. And the the cool thing about it is you can call in and leave a voicemail uh, using using the podcast app itself. So all you got to do is go in, download the Anchor app, go to Nintendo Switchcraft. And then once you're there, right there up at the top, there is a button that says message. All right. It's right there next to my logo. And you can send a voice message and uh, let me know what are your favorite games for the Nintendo Switch outside of those big four. Uh, I'm really looking forward to hearing from people and I will play it at the end of the next episode. Uh, So hopefully we get some people calling in and using that. Uh, But happy birthday to Nintendo Switch for tomorrow, and uh, let's move on. I recently played a whole bunch of games on the Nintendo Switch for first impression videos, which you can find all of these uh, videos over at my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash runjumpstomp. Make sure you go over there and subscribe and click the little bell icon and watch a video and make a comment and all those other things that YouTubers ask people to do. Uh, I, I, I played a bunch of games and I want to talk about these games on the, uh, on the show. 
Uh, the first one that I want to talk about is X Morph Defense. X Morph Defense is not a Switch exclusive. In fact, I think it's been around for a while, but it's something that I had never played, and uh, it really surprised me. Uh, the I, what I can say about it that that I rem- and, and I recommend you go watch the video. But uh, what I can say about it is from my first impressions are that the the video like the the cutscenes, the cutscenes are really bad. Like they're they're low res almost, and they look pretty janky. When I was playing this on a 1080p screen, I can't imagine what they would have looked like on a somebody who has a giant 4K screen. Um, but the gameplay is actually really cool. It's something that I've never run into before. It's a combination of two genres, which this doesn't really happen very often. Uh, the first genre is tower defense. And when I first started playing the game, well, actually, before we get to the genres, when I first started playing the game, I thought that I was going to be the humans defending the earth from the aliens. It's actually flip-flopped. I'm invading earth as the aliens, which I thought was really cool. So my ship lands on earth and it blows up a bunch of stuff. And then the humans send, um, send like some tanks and stuff. And, I get into like this little spaceship and it basically plays like a twin stick shooter. So I start moving around and shooting those things. So then, you know, at that point I was like, oh, this is a, this is a twin stick shooter. Um, that's cool. I, I, I really like twin stick shooters. And then they added another twist. And this other twist is what I think makes X morph defense stand out, uh, among other twin stick shooters. The enemies that you are fighting against come in on these pre-selected paths. And the pre-selected paths, you are given the ability to put towers down along those paths to get your towers to blow up those things as they try and get to your core. This is essentially what um, tower defense games are like. Tower defense games are you have a thing that the enemy's trying to blow up, and as they try and get across the screen, you have to put down various types of towers, which will uh, destroy all of the enemies before they get to you. This is a really, really common style of game on mobile and not so much on on uh, console platforms. Uh, it's also pretty common on PC. And I think a lot of that has to do with just being able to have that, that mouse keyboard uh, interface. So... I can't remember which one I played, but I played a bunch of one um, on the on iOS back when the iPhone first started getting uh, apps, and I can't remember the name of it. And hopefully, somebody in chat can remember. But it was really, really fun, and it was in the early days of of mobile gaming, and I I did have fun with that. So when I saw that this was tower defense, I was like, okay. I tend to enjoy these, but not for very long. The fact or, or, or the, the, the reason why this game stands out and above everything else, I think, is because it is a combination of twin stick shooting and tower defense. So you have these paths where you know that the enemy are coming in. You can put out your defenses where you think that they are going to do the most good. Something that's really cool is when you place two towers, you can choose to put a fence between them. So the enemy's path has to go around and take a longer route. 
the longer the route is, the faster it, or the easier it is for you to destroy the enemy before they get to your uh, core ship. And then once you have the waves start coming in, then you are basically playing a twin stick shooter and mopping cleanup uh, to anything that your towers miss. And I think that that is really, really cool. The voice acting is a little silly and, um, you know, forgettable. Uh, the graphics are pretty good. I think it, it plays really well. The controls are good. And overall, I think X-Morph Defense is definitely something that people are going to want to check out. Uh, another game that I that I played that has kind of a sci-fi spin to it is a game called Space War Arena. Uh, this was sent to me um, from the publisher or, or developer or whatever. And Space War Arena, actually, I think this is made by by a very, very small team. My first impressions of Space War Arena was that it was a mobile port. In fact, I was I was sure that it was a mobile port. I was absolutely sure that this was a game that was on cell phones and had just been ported to the Nintendo Switch. And I know that there's a lot of people who hear that and they're like, oh, that's going to be real bad. And that's not necessarily so, um, even if I don't particularly like that type of game very much. But uh, basically, in Space War Arena, you have your giant uh, friendly ship on the left-hand side of the screen, and then you've got an enemy ship on the right-hand side of the screen. And you have these four, I guess, slots that you can choose from to put out uh, ships that will try and go over and destroy the enemy ship or the defenses that the enemy ship puts out because they can do all the same stuff that you can do. Um so the the way that you you do it is you you put your cursor on which one of the four slots you want to spawn. Maybe it's a defensive ship, maybe it's a sniper ship. Uh the sniper ship can shoot things from far away. Maybe you can launch like a ship that launches drones all the time which are really really weak, but if you got lots of them then then it can help. So there's definitely some strategy there and each one of those things has a cost. Um, in the middle of your major ship, you have uh, basically this little energy gauge that slowly ticks up, and uh, the number in there, I think it goes up to 10, and the number in there is how much energy you have, and then each slot has a number on it that tells you how much does it cost to spawn this unit. Uh, so it's kind of got like a real-time strategy uh, effect to it, but you don't have direct control over the units. The only thing that you have direct control over is where do they spawn, when do they spawn, and which direction are they facing when they spawn. So those are the three things that you uh, that you can control. And this game was not something that I really enjoyed, but I didn't think that it was poorly made. And I, if, it, if it sounds interesting to you, then I definitely think that you should check it out or at least, you know, go watch the video and and see if that's something that appeals to you or not. Um, then I played a game that is made by two people. It's called Bard's Gold, and it is very much reminiscent of uh, like 80s and 90s um, side scrolling platformers, but very, very slow paced. Um, basically. Uh, they have like a hundred levels or so. I think it was a hundred levels, and um, 
every time you play the game, because it's a roguelike kind of game, you get those hundred levels in a different order. And uh, you have to basically find a key in a room and then make your way to the exit. And you're this weird looking bard dude. who, And I I love the animation because he kind of sways back and forth and his hair kind of sways back and forth while he's moving. Um, But you play this little bard dude who throws knives and you can like pick up uh, gems and then you can use the gems to buy weapons that uh, make you a little more powerful so you want to go uh, collect as many gems as you can try and use the store in order to buy yourself some new gear and then after you've got the new gear try and make your way uh, to the door and there's uh, I think that like I said a hundred levels to go through it was actually pretty fun I enjoyed it um I, I wouldn't say rush out and get it, but it's definitely something to maybe put on your wish list and wait for it to go on sale. And I'm not going to focus on the price, although I think I said the price in the um, in the videos. Uh, I'm not going to focus on the price because the price of a game is something that is very important to uh, to each person, but to each person it means something else. So, you know, to me... I, I might look at a $20 game and say, oh, you know, that's a little expensive. And somebody else might be like, I spent $20 this morning on Kleenex. Uh, you know, I, I like people there. People have different amounts of money. And so uh, it, who, who am I to say that a game is too expensive? And that's something I regret about the videos that I made is I was like, oh, I think maybe this would be better at this price. But that's really for me. And that's not a really a call that I should make for other people. Um Let's see. Uh, Treasure Stack is another game that I tried out. It's this really strange puzzle game where you have locked treasure boxes that fall from the sky and you have to get the colors uh, like match the colors together. So you get all the purple treasure chests together, get all the blue ones, all the red ones. You get all of those together and then you get color coded keys that you can uh, put next to those and they will unlock all of the connected treasures. It's pretty cool. Uh, the You don't con- directly control the boxes, though. You control this dude or lady uh, who runs around inside the puzzle and picks things up and, and puts them down. And that really, really elevates the difficulty of this game. I had a hard time playing this game. This game kicked my butt. Um, and I don't think it was because of the game. I think it was because of me. I could not wrap my head around it. Um, the character also has a grappling hook, which if you want a uh, stack of little treasure boxes to fall faster, you can shoot the grappling hook up and pull the treasure boxes down so that they'll come down faster, allowing you more time to figure out where it is that you want to put those things. They also have these weapon blocks. So There'll be a sword that you can pick up, and when you use that, it will clear out a a complete row of pieces. And then, for some reason, there was like a vase, I think it was. I couldn't really tell. Uh, there was like a vase block, and if you use the vase block, it will clear out a c- complete column. And then there was a bomb block, which will blow up all of the stuff around it. So your job is to try and keep the treasures from getting to the top and trying to get uh, as much of a... Uh, high score, I guess, as you can while you're playing. I thought it was really cool. Definitely a unique puzzle game, 
but I just could not wrap my head around how to play the game. Vaxer in chat is letting me know it's an anvil. Uh, so I, I get what you're saying. Yes. Th- or, I mean, thank you, Vaxer, for that. And Mikey B. Playing in chat says, I like price info, but if you want to dodge the subjectivity of price, you can just not comment after telling us the price, right? I suppose that's true, although... What I would have to do now, and for those of you listening, I record the show live, so I would have to go and find the price because I didn't find that that stuff ahead of time. I can't remember, but the price is easily found by going to uh, Nintendo.com and searching for the game, or you can just watch my video because I think I talked about the price on each one of those videos, and maybe next time that I do a whole bunch of these first impressions, I'll try and get the price uh, info in there. I do remember, God, I think I remember that Treasure Stack was $20 or nineteen ninety nine. Uh, I I think that I remember that, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Uh, because again, I didn't pay for it. It was given to me as a review copy. Okay. I saved what I think is the best for last. And that is a game that I played called Almost There. Um, what was it? Almost there, the platformer. And this is a very, very uh, super simplistic art style platformer where you play a cube that has to get to a dot. Okay. Uh, very, very simple. Uh, you have the ability to jump. You have the ability to, when you move for a long enough period of time, you'll switch like into sprint mode and you'll be able to jump a little bit further and move a little bit faster. And you also have the ability ability ugh, to cling to walls. And they've got, uh, I think I counted them up, and there were 154 levels in the game. I'm, I'm not sure about that number, but it's somewhere around there that I've, that I've seen so far. Um, there's like three tiers, and I've, been, I've played some in the first tier and some in the second tier. This is my favorite of the games that I played uh, yesterday on Twitch. I streamed all of these over at uh, twitch.tv slash runjumpstomp, and Vaxer is correcting me in chat. He says it's 155 levels. Thank you, Vaxer. Vaxer has a very good memory. Uh, I do not, however. Uh, Almost There has a very cool soundtrack. It's got a cool art style. It's very minimalistic and simple. And um, basically, it's also got a lot of replay value because as you play the game, you earn stars. And the better that you do on a level, the more stars you get. So there's a lot of that desire from, I think, a lot of people who would say, okay, I want to go back and I want to play this level again so so I can see if I can get that three star for it. Um, I really, really liked Almost There, the platformer, and I definitely think that that's something that I would, I would, if out of all these games, that's the one that I would recommend the most. I had a lot of fun with it, but every single one of these games was an, an incredibly different game. None of them were very similar. So, uh, you know, that was the one that appealed to me the most that I had the most fun with was almost there. But all of these games, they fill a different niche that that is out there. And I think that a lot of people are going to look at one of these games and they're going to say, oh, man, I don't know what Bill's talking about because Space War Arena is my jam or Treasure Stack is super easy. Bill's just terrible. Whatever it is, um, make sure you check out those videos again over at my YouTube channel. And uh, if anything appeals to you, make sure you let me know that you picked up this game because you heard about it on my show. And uh uh, let me know what you think of it, because, you know, this is not just me. It's you, too. Hello, look. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, listen. I'm pretty sure that I addressed this on an episode of Run, Jump, Stomp. That's my other podcast. And this is all about the crunch that video game companies often put their employees under as they get close to launch. So uh, I think this came out because it was Rockstar. Somebody at Rockstar was bragging that people were working 100-hour work weeks uh, when they got close to launch for Red Dead Redemption 2. And, of course, the Internet was like, why are you bragging about uh, working your pe- over overworking your people? And Rockstar was kind of tone-deaf in their responses. They, they said nobody... How did they phrase it? I think nobody has to stay, but they all want to. And while I'm sure that the people who work at, at companies, at, at video game companies, are passionate about what they do, they also need to find some kind of work-life balance. And I know um, Red Dead Redemption 2 is not a, uh, a Nintendo game or a game on a Nintendo platform. So why am I talking about it? Well, I'm talking about it because there was recently um, this this uh, Nintendo had put out like a recruitment page trying to get more people to apply to Nintendo. Uh, so, hey, if you live in Japan, then apply to Nintendo. Uh, I can't talk. Then apply to Nintendo and see if you can get a, you can get a job. Um, they put out these stats and somebody had translated them at Z huge E X on Twitter, uh, translated them. And the stats are actually pretty impressive. Uh, I'll, I'll start with the ones that aren't super important, but they have 2,271 employees. The average age of an employee there is 38.6. So I would be an old man if I worked at Nintendo. Well, I guess I'm an old man no matter what, but I would be I would feel even older because I would be much higher than the average. The average length of employment is 13.5 years. I think that says a lot about why people like work or uh, I think that says a lot to show that people like working at Nintendo because if the average age is 38 and the average length of employment is 13 years. So that means that people started working there probably maybe their first or second job right out of college and then they stayed. And I know that in Japan, uh, it's much more likely that people stay at the same job for a very, very long time. Uh, Unlike here in the US where people hop from job to job to job. 
Uh, but the stats that I think are the most important that I wanted to talk about is the average workday and the annual salary. Okay, so let, let's go back and talk about the fact that um, that I, I, I mentioned at the beginning of this segment is that the average workday, or not the average workday, the, um, the average work week for people at Rockstar during crunch time, or maybe it wasn't the average, but it was just something that somebody had reported was a hundred hours. Like people were working a hundred hours. And and just so just to put everything in perspective, the average work that like how many hours is that a day? I don't know. Too many. Okay. The average work week is going to be like 40 hours. So that's more than double the amount of time that you're spending at work for most places that you work. Now in the video game industry, crunch is kind of a real thing and it happens all across the board, but apparently not at Nintendo because at Nintendo, the average workday is less than eight hours, seven hours and 45 minutes is the average workday at Nintendo. And the average annual salary is 80 grand a year. Um, man, that is just, that's just awesome. The fact that they are playing, they're paying lots and lots of like 80 grand is a lot of money. At least I, I would, I would go nuts if I was making 80 grand a year. Um, 80 grand's a, a ton of money and only working seven hours and 45 minutes per day on average. When you compare that with other video game companies, that is a staggering difference. And I think that Nintendo should be applauded for not overworking their people. And to the companies out there that say that a hundred hour work week during crunch time is not mandatory. It's just what people do. That's fine. Then it, make those people have a better work-life balance because you're going to get more out of them that way and say, uh, okay, you want to work overtime? That's fine, but you can only work this much overtime and then you are going home because we don't want you here. You got to go out and enjoy your life a little bit, even if that means that the that the game gets shipped late. And for me, I'm, I'm perfectly happy to have a developer or a you know, I, I would much rather have happy and healthy developers to make more games than I would uh, like to see. Um, how do I want to say? Uh, than I than I would like to see things like, you know, a game launching on time. But you know, maybe that's just me. You've been back to the future of the movies. Now go there on your NES. Well, I guess everything can't be puppy dogs and rainbows. We've got to have some bad news every once in a while. And the bad news here is the ridiculousness that is the switch tax. Uh, so I've talked about uh, Resident Evil games coming to the Switch recently on the podcast. And I was pretty excited about it because I've been looking forward to playing a good horror game. Uh, I haven't played one since I played Alien Isolation and I'm looking forward to playing another one because I like to be scared. I don't like gross stuff, but I tolerate it so that I can be scared. And uh, I, my excitement has decreased quite a bit because Capcom is going all in on the Switch tax. Now, what is the Switch tax? Well, for those of you that don't play, uh, pay super close attention, the switch tax is essentially 
uh, the idea that games are a little more expensive on the Nintendo Switch. And you might be asking, well, why is that? And the reason for that is because of the cartridges. On other systems, Xbox and PlayStation, they use optical media. And optical media is, you know, like the discs. On the Nintendo Switch, because it's a portable system, you don't want to have that spinning disc inside. Uh, It's likely to skip. It's going to cause damage to it. And it's going to be bad for everybody. So Nintendo, of course, did the right thing and went with cartridges. Now, with cartridges, the problem is to get the same amount of storage that you can get on optical media, uh, the cartridges get, what's the word I'm looking for? Prohibitively expensive. Like they just keep getting more and more expensive. And because that number, that price keeps going up and these game developers or publishers, they want to save as much money as they can so that they are putting as much money in their pocket as they can. They pass the cost of those cartridges onto the consumer. And I understand why they would do that. That makes sense to me. They're they're basically trying to protect their bottom line. Now, I haven't seen anybody do this with like, like let's say, what's a game that come out that came out simultaneously on all three platforms? I can't think of one. I know that there is one. But there's there's another like there's a game that came out recently and it came out on all three platforms on the same day and it was sixty dollars on all three platforms. And that makes a lot of sense because the 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 gaming companies that, that make these video games, the publishers, they don't want to say, oh, it's seventy dollars on the switch and sixty on the other platforms. Uh, yeah, it was probably Starlink. I think it was something else as well, though. Uh, it's because Starlink is weird because it's got the plastic stuff. Um, so I don't expect publishers who are selling a $60 game to do the switch tax. That's just something that they haven't done yet. And I don't think that they will, because that's basically shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, and as the switch, uh, install base gets bigger and bigger and bigger, um, making the people who decided that Switch was the platform that they wanted to play on be the most expensive platform for your game is going to be bad for your company in the long run. So I think a lot of people or a lot of developers or publishers, I mean, uh, want to avoid that. Okay, so we've we've kind of laid out the reasons why the Switch tax exists that $10 price jump for most games that are under $60 when you go and you into the store and you look at the sh- the game on the shelf on the PS4 it's $10 cheaper than it is in the Switch um Switch section and that's because of the cost of the cartridges i understand why they do that that's okay what's not okay is what capcom is doing these <laughs> Let's let's use Resident Evil 4 as an example. Resident Evil 4 costs $20 on PlayStation and Xbox. And I don't know if it's on Steam or not, but I'm going to assume it's probably the same price on Steam. And on Switch, it's $30. And I know that there's people there who are listening and they're thinking, hang on a sec, Bill. You just said that it's okay because of the Switch tax because of the cartridges are more expensive. Here's the here's here's the rub though. This is where everything breaks down. Resident Evil 4 does not have a physical version. You cannot buy a physical version of Resident Evil 4 for the Nintendo Switch. So why is it more expensive on the Switch? 
Now, a couple episodes ago, I talked extensively about you know pricing for games that are remakes and things like that, and I said it's okay for um, uh, the new Zelda game, which is coming out later on this year, to be $60 because they had to do so much work to remake that game. Why is it not okay for Resident Evil 4? Because Resident Evil 4 is just a port. The Zelda game that I'm talking about, Link's Awakening, that was announced at the February 13th Nintendo Direct, that was not a port. That is a complete remake from the ground up. They're starting from scratch and remaking that game. That's why it's okay for them to charge full price. For Resident Evil 4, they are just, they're, they're not remaking the assets. They are basically taking something that they made in one engine and porting it over to another engine or uh, maybe, I don't even know what engine they use. If they just use Unity, then it's a couple of checkboxes, and then they go through and fix bugs. Um, and, and if you're a developer and I'm wrong about this, feel free to let me know how wrong I am. Uh, but if they're just using Unity, it's not that much work to port it over. So why is it $10 more on the Nintendo Switch than it is on the other platforms? That doesn't make any sense to me at all. Um and then let's talk about Resident Evil Zero. Resident Evil Zero, uh, you can buy a physical version of that game. I don't know why Resident Evil Zero gets a physical version and Resident Evil 4 doesn't, or Resident Evil 1 HD doesn't, uh, but Resident Evil Zero gets a physical version, and you can actually buy a bundle for $60. All right, $60 that has Resident Evil Zero and Resident Evil 1 HD. However, that physical copy... You're getting Resident Evil Zero on the cartridge and a download code. So honestly, it makes absolutely no sense for anybody to buy this game physically. And I know that in the past, I have been the person who says, go digital, go digital. I'm fine with going digital. I have very few physical games for the Nintendo Switch. I'm coming somewhere close to 200 games on my Switch. And of those games... I don't know, probably 15 of them are um, are physical copies. The rest are all digital. So, you know, I'm fine with going digital, but I can't imagine why it would be good for anybody to go physical with Resident Evil because <laughs> Resident Evil Zero is going to cost you 30 bucks. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, 60 bucks, and then you get uh, Resident Evil 1 as a download code. I just think that's lame. So... Capcom, first off, if your games cost $20 on the PS4, then they should cost $20 on the Nintendo Switch, especially if there's no physical edition, physical edition attached. Like, there's no reason for Resident Evil 4 to cause, to, I'm sorry, to cost more money on the Switch than it does on other platforms because it's not like we're paying for the cartridge. We're paying to download it and... It's just ridiculous that they are doing this. All right, everybody, we're already like the, the show's already really long. So what I'm going to do is lightning around the rest of these. Um, actually, there's only two things left. Atlas, which is the company that makes Persona games. They have a survey out, which I put a link in the show notes uh, that you can take. And it asks you basic questions like, 
what systems do you own? What systems are you planning on buying? And I'll tell you right now, if you're a fan of Nintendo game or Nintendo and you want more games on the Nintendo Switch, then go take that uh, survey doesn't cost anything and tell them what what systems you play on and i'm sure that the more the like the more people that answer that question that they've got to switch the more likely it is that persona 6 and persona 5 uh are coming to the nintendo switch i'm fairly certain they already are but this certainly wouldn't hurt so make sure that you go and fill out that survey and then the final thing that I want to mention is this really cool ad that came from Nintendo of this dude hiking and like he's hiking up the mountain and you can like hear the hear the the nature sound. They must have had a really good camera when they were or microphone when they were doing this. You can hear the nature sounds and and he's hiking up to the top of the mountain and he sits down once he gets up there and uh, pulls his Nintendo Switch out of his backpack and then he starts playing Zelda and he's playing uh, Breath of the Wild. And the sounds that uh, Link is making, uh, like as he runs across the forest floor and things like that, uh, it was really cool because it was kind of the same sounds that were in the nature thing. And I just thought it was a very cool ad. And that's all I just wanted to share because I thought it was neat. And so make sure you click on the the show notes and uh, let people know about or, or watch watch that video. Uh, speaking of the show notes, you can find the show notes over at runjumpstomp.com. I post them after the show every time. Uh, you can also just follow them. If you're using your podcast app, you can just follow the link and uh, it'll take you there. Uh, if you want to become part of the community, it's super easy to do. Head on over to runjumpstomp.com slash discord. Don't forget, I, I stream this live over at twitch.tv slash runjumpstomp. Uh, there's lots of ways that you can get a hold of me. You can email me, runjumpstomp at gmail.com. You can tweet at me at runjumpstomp. And of course, if you use the Anchor app, you can call and leave a voicemail that I can include on an episode of the show. So make sure that you do that. Keep it less to, less than a minute, though, because it's going to cut you off. If you're looking for ways to support the show, head on over to runjumpstomp.com slash thank you. Don't forget about my other podcast called Run Jump Stomp, where you call and give your thoughts on gaming in general. You can find that over at runjumpstomp.com. Of course, the music for today's show is uh, by Noteblock, both at the top and bottom of the show. Thank you all for hanging out with me. You are awesome. Thank you for the, the, the live chat. And to everybody who listens to the show and gives support, and I almost forgot before I got out of here, I want to thank the following people for their five-star reviews on iTunes. We've got Casey Nestat, uh, Hiscratch, Blaziken, JFFJUAG, I don't know how to say that, TMMGTG, Muamua15, Joan Groove, NinFanboy67. If you want to help out the show and you want to do it for free, uh, going to Apple Podcasts and reviewing the show is really awesome and it really really does help so uh thank you to those of you who have reviewed the show you guys are awesome i'm out of here until then i will see you guys next time stay awesome